Good morning. Today is Thursday, June 9th, 2022. I'd like to share with you something that I learned from Rabbi David Stav. So this week's Torah portion is the Parsha of Nusso. It is the longest single Torah portion in the entire Torah, 176 psukim. And a big chunk of that, what really makes it the largest, is a long, long section that describes the offerings and the gifts that were brought by each of the 12 Nasiim. A Nasi means the prince of the tribe, the leader of the tribe. So on the 12 days of inaugurating the Mishkan, the sanctuary, which happened just short of one year after leaving Egypt. So on those 12 days of dedication on each day, one of the Nasiim, one of the princes, the heads of each tribe would bring a set of gifts. And they had to do with uh, uh, animals for sacrifices and uh, objects to be used in the, in the Mishkan. <clears throat> Let's just review briefly the chronology. So, the Jewish people leave Egypt the middle of Nisan. Seven weeks later, we receive the Torah at Sinai. Forty days after that is the debacle of the golden calf. Eighty days later, which is Yom Kippur, Moshe comes back down from the mountain with the second set of luchos, the set of uh, tablets on which are engraved the Aseris Adibros, the Ten Commandments. And immediately, God commands the Jewish people to build the Mishkan. So they start working on it and they build it. And finally, at the beginning of Nisan, so that's 50 weeks after they left Egypt, just shy of a year, they dedicate and inaugurate the Mishkan. That ceremony of dedicating and inaugurating the Mishkan was described in the book of Ayikra, the Parsha of Shmini. So a few weeks ago, we read about that in the middle of the book of Ayikra, the Parsha of Shmini. Now, last week, we began the book of Amidbar, the fourth book of the Torah. And it started with the census that God tells Moshe to do of the Jewish people. And that happened in the month of Iyar. So that's a year and a couple of weeks after leaving Egypt. Or in other words, about a month or so after the inauguration of the Mishkan. And the reason for the counting now in last week's portion of Amidbar is because the Jewish people are about to travel into Israel. They're ready to go into Israel. And that is going to be the subject that we read about in next week's portion. Of course, you know the story, they get sidetracked for 38 more years, but that's what's about to happen. So where we are chronologically in this week's portion is more than a year has passed since leaving Egypt and we're about to go into the land of Israel. And in our Torah portion, the Torah gives us this long, long section of the gifts that each Nasi, each prince of each tribe brought on the days of inauguration, which is very strange because, first of all, it's out of chronological order. 
We're now, chronologically, in the second portion of Bamidbar, a year and a bit after leaving Egypt, and we're going to go back and talk about what the gifts were that the Nisim brought over a month ago. Why are we going out of chronological order? And not only chronologically is it problematic, but just thematically. Wouldn't the gifts of the Nisim make more sense to mention before in the parish of Shmini when we describe that ceremony? What are they doing here by themselves simply after the census is taken and before the Jewish people are about to start moving into Israel? Why would it be placed here? What possible reason could there be for including this long passage here just before the Jewish people are supposed to start traveling towards Israel? So Rabbi Stav starts with the following. Let's look at the Pusik, the verse in this week's Torah portion, that introduces this section. The Torah says, Vayakrivu Nesiei Yisrael, and the Nesiim, the prince, the princes of Israel, brought these gifts that's going to describe. So they're called Nesiei Yisrael, the princes of Israel, Rosh, Roshe Beis Avosam, the heads of their father's households, Haim Nesiei Hamatos, they are the princes of their tribe, Haim Haondim Al Hapkudim, they are the ones that were present for the counting, the census taking that had just been done. Now that's a very strange verse because we want to introduce that the princes, the 12 princes of the tribes, each one is going to bring a gift. But there are four different expressions that are used to describe who these people are. So they're called, one more time, Nesiei Israel, the princes of Israel, Rashi Besavosam, the heads of the household of their fathers, Nesiei Hamatos, the prince of each tribe, Haomdim al Hapkudim, who were present with the counting. Now, those four uh, uh, descriptions of these 12 people is very strange. First of all, a couple of them are contradictory because, on the one hand, you say that they're the princes of Israel, but then you say they're the princes of the tribes. Princes of the tribes is a smaller group than the princes of all of Israel. And then you say they're the heads of each of their father's families. That seems to be even smaller. So do they have a small role or a medium role or a large role? What exactly is going on? So Rashi says something that's incredible and is extremely insightful. Rashi says, who were these 12 men? By the way, 11 of them, their names are only known to us here. Nowhere else in the entire Torah is their name mentioned. One of them, who is Nachshon, Nachshon ben Aminadav, who is the, the prince of the tribe of Yehuda, he was mentioned earlier. But the other 11, is this is the only place we know their names. Who were they? 
says Rashi. These 12 individuals were the ones who were appointed over them in Egypt to make sure, by Paro, to make sure that the Jews completed their quota of brick making every day. And what would happen if a Jew fell short on a given day? What happened if a Jew did not accomplish the quota that Paro required of them? Vahayumukin alehem. The shotrim, the taskmasters, would be beaten. In other words, let's understand. These 12 people are taskmasters. They're supposed to ensure that every person makes their quota of bricks that day because they're slaves to Paro. If one of them falls short, who's going to get punished? These taskmasters did not pass the punishment along to the one who fell short of their quota. They took the punishment on themselves. These were 12 individuals that were not just leaders. They were beaten in order to protect the Jewish people. So in other words, these 12, these Nesim, these princes of each tribe, they were not appointed because they were very wealthy or they had a lot of power or they were born to aristocracy or they had some kind of uh, uh, protexia. That's not how they got their jobs. They earned this position by being willing to be beaten for the Jewish people. And this understanding can help deepen our understanding of two words that are similar, but they have a different connotation. There are two different words that could be used for a leader. One is Rosh, and the other is Nasi. Now, the word Rosh literally means head, and it refers to a leader in the sense that a leader is the head of the body that he or she is leading. They are the figurehead. They lead with their mind, with their spirit. They're the Rosh. A Nasi is a leader, but the word Nasi comes from the word Nosei, which means to carry, to, as if carrying a burden. They're individuals who are leaders by virtue of their being willing to carry the burden of the people that they are leading. A Nasi is different than a Rosh. A Rosh may receive honor and prestige. A Nasi is one who finds remedies for the pain of his or her people and addresses their needs. And the Torah wants to show us who these Nesim were. They are people who were leading the Jewish people, who were only concerned 
with the needs of the Jewish people, not their own needs. Maybe that's why they're also called Roshay Besavosam, the heads of their father's houses, in the sense that they viewed everyone in their tribe, in their Shevet, as if they were a member of their own family. To be a Nasi of a Shevet, it was not an easy job. And you didn't get it automatically. It is a destiny of leadership for those who feel that this work, leading the Jewish people, is a way for them to live up to their responsibilities of caring for and addressing the concerns of every single individual they lead. It is vitally important for us to be able to trust our leaders. And so often today, that does not happen. The way to trust, to lead to trusting our leaders, is to be assured that they have made our concerns their top priority. If that is true, then those leaders will certainly lead us to the promised land. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing you soon in person.